0: Good, good morning. Good to see you. How's everybody doing today? Just wanted to share some... All gas, no brakes, baby. One and O, oh, that's all I got to say. Anywho, I digress. We haven't even started and I've digressed. You know, uh, I was about 12 years old before I realized... Because I grew up around the Texas coast. We would go to Galveston or maybe Crystal Beach on the east side of Galveston Bay. This is a really high dollar area. And I was 12 years old before I realized that not everybody has to take turpentine with them to the beach to get tar off of your feet. That was just what we did when we were kids. I just thought that was what everybody did. But when I was about 18 or 19 years old, I took my first trip to a stretch of beach that is known as the Emerald Coast. If you go from roughly Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, Alabama, to roughly Panama City Beach, Florida, there's this stretch of beach that is absolutely incredible, pristine water, gin clear, aquamarine. The, the consistency of the sand is so fine when you walk on it, it squeaks. It's unbelievable. And this, this part of the world is lovingly referred to as the Redneck Riviera. And in all of my years, I have never heard a more accurate description of a piece of property, the Redneck Riviera. It's an incredible, incredible place. Well, if you vacation in this area, as we have been doing for years, it's not uncommon to be out on the beach and hear fighter jets from some of the surrounding military installations screaming through the skies above you. And... It's really common, one of the planes that you might see in the skies above the Emerald Coast is the F-18A Hornet. Now this is the plane that is flown by by the Blue Angels. If you've ever seen the Blue Angels in a demonstration squadron, they are an amazing team of pilots in these F-18 Hornets. They do these incredible demonstrations all over the country They'll, you know, they do the barrel rolls, they'll climb, they'll dive, they fly in formation. It is absolutely an amazing, how many of you have ever seen the Blue Angels live? Let me just see a show of hands. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are, it is worth the time. If they're ever within 500 miles of where you are, go see them. They're unbelievable, the Blue Angels. Well, I love that video, that's pretty cool. That's not me, by the way. I'm, I'm, but, it's an amazing, amazing display. Well, a few years ago, I found out that the Blue Angels, who are based in Pensacola, Florida, they practice every single week, and you can go to the Blue Angels practice sessions for free. Is this a great country or what? I mean, that's just amazing to me. And so, because I am that cool a dad, I loaded up our kids who were like college and high school age. And I go, oh, "No, we're going." We are going, we're on vacation, we're taking a day to go to the Blue Angels practice session. Now, at the risk of saying you want to see our slides from vacation, I do want to show you a couple of videos that I shot with my phone that day at the Blue Angels practice session. And I'm going somewhere with this, but I just want to show you this. Check this out. Whoa! I I still get fired up every time I see that. Who's having more fun at church than us today? Nobody. Now, I showed you those videos because I wanted you to get an idea. I wanted to, to share with you the sensation of how Loud those jets are. When you're on the the parade ground there at Naval Air Station Pensacola and these jets are flying overhead, sometimes like 50 or 100 feet off the ground, it can be deafening. Well, as we finished the practice session and we were making our way back to our car, we walked by this like electrical yard surrounded by a chain link fence, and on this chain link fence, They had hung this real simple vinyl banner that I thought was so awesome. Look at what it said. It said, sit down, hold tight, and experience the sound of freedom. I was like, that's a great, the sound of freedom. I was like, that's exactly what that was. Yeah, we we love that. That's kind of how I felt. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what if I were to tell you that Experiencing the sound of freedom, and actually a freedom that transcends anything the blue angels have to offer, experiencing the sound of real freedom is one of the primary reasons that God has given us the gift of the Bible. What if I were to tell you that scripture is one of the main things that God uses to Help us, to show us, to teach us how to experience the sound of freedom in our lives, a freedom spiritually, a freedom relationally, a freedom intellectually, a freedom that defies description. That is what is at the heart of the Bible. For the last few weeks, we've been in this series, The Bible, for all it's worth. And and so far in this series, we've really kind of looked at this subject. We've looked at the issue of the Bible through the lens of apologetics. Now, when I say apologetics, that's the strain of theology that explains or defends the Christian faith intellectually, academically, philosophically. It doesn't mean that we're apologizing for what we believe. It comes from the Greek word apologia. And apologia is a A reasoned defense for a position or a belief. And so that's what we've been looking at. And if you've missed the last couple of weeks, I wanna highly, highly encourage you to go back and pick those up because what we're doing today is we're gonna kinda, we're pivoting a little bit and we're gonna take this foundation that we've built over the last couple of weeks and begin to build up from it. What I want us to do today is move from why we believe what we believe and begin to build up and talk about how we practice what we believe. How do we, how do we bring this Bible to life in our lives? How do, we, how do we experience the sound of freedom? Because that's what God has intended in and through the pages of Scripture. Jesus said something incredibly important in John chapter eight. He was speaking to a a small group of Jewish believers, people who had grown up in the Jewish faith but had placed their faith in Christ, and he was explaining to them what this new way of living, this new way of believing means as it pertains to Scripture. Look at what he says in John eight thirty one through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What an amazing promise that comes from the heart of God himself. And I thank both of you people who are excited about that. That's a great thing. As a matter of fact, it's such an appealing promise that it's actually engraved in stone on the main building at the University of Texas, who is 1 and 0 this morning. So (laughs) my point is that it's this incredible, incredible promise from the heart of a God who cannot lie to us. But I think it's really important that we understand the premise of the promise. Look at how Jesus prefaces this promise. What did he say? He goes, if you abide in my word. If you live in my word, you are truly my disciples and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So yes, there is the sound of freedom to be experienced but it starts by abiding in the word. It starts by, by kind of planting roots and setting ourselves down in the word of God. Recently, Well, it was actually recently, it was last night, a couple of our kids came over to watch football at our house and they walked in the door and and Julie and I have kind of been moving some things around and and Emily, the oldest, walked in and, and she went, whoa, where's your seat? I said, that's the right question and I will feed you dinner. But don't, don't you kind of have a perch where you sit, especially when it comes to watching football, that, that yours, especially, you know, if you're the mom or the dad in the house, you, you kind of have a perch where you, you just kind of, you abide when it's football time, when, it, when it's time to hang out. That's, that's your place. Jesus is saying that if you truly follow him, we abide, we, we, we sit down and sink roots into his word, and then, then we know the truth, and then, because we know the truth, the truth sets us free. Now, God has given us the truth as an act of love. He's given us this gift of experiencing the sound of real spiritual freedom, but the reality is, as we've, as we've said, the, the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of the Bible is to reveal God and his invitation to relationship. The the reason God has given us the Bible is to reveal him and his invitation into a relationship. And because it is ultimately relational, because God is ultimately relational, that means that he has also in his grace and sovereignty given us a free will. You can choose to walk away from the invitation. You can choose to decline that invitation. You can choose, if you want to, to take the Bible and reject it and rebel against it and walk away from it. That doesn't change the reality of Scripture, but it is a choice that you have and that I have. Because ultimately, every relationship requires an act of the will. You have to be able to choose. You can't force your way into a relationship of of intimacy, of love. Like I'm I'm not gonna show up like after church today and go, you know what? I'm gonna come live with you for a month. This is gonna be awesome. You'd be like, whoa, preacher boy. Back up, por favor. That's, That's a little presumptuous to say, I'm gonna come live with you. On the other hand, if I say, hey, you want to go get some coffee? You know, let's, let's, let's talk about the Longhorns game last night. Let's just, just kind of hang out and out of that cup of coffee develops, hey, we've got some affinities, we've got some common interests, we can, we can begin to maybe, I don't know, maybe get our wives together and we would go out to dinner as, as couples or, or whatever the case might be, but it's relational. It's, it's this, this give and take and that always requires choice and volition. And as I said, we we can choose to reject it. We can choose to walk away from it. But before you make that choice, I just want to show you, I want to show you the sounds of freedom. I want to to show you how this, this truth gift plays out in real world terms, in how do we make this a reality? It's one thing to say the truth will set you free, and that's, that's a good thing. I'm not minimizing it in any way. But I think it begs the question, how? how? How does the truth really and truly set us free? Because we're talking about a relationship. We're not talking about just a set of facts that we go, yes, yes, true, 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 true. Okay, it's, it's not that simple. It's relationship. Relationship requires leaning in, Re- relationship requires engaging. So when, when I say that, that God has given us the scriptures as a gift to experience the sound of freedom, that again, this is, a, this is a, a freedom that eclipses what we experience as, as Americans or in a democracy. This is a freedom that literally sets us free from any and all bondage, from any and all fear. This is a freedom that is impossible to scientifically diagram. But thank God, thank God, it is, it is a freedom that is absolutely possible to experience. And so we, we, we understand that with apologies to the blue angels, the sound of freedom is truth. Yeah. The sound of freedom is truth. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So when we talk about this, when, when we think about freedom, we understand that truth gives us freedom. For most of my 54 years, I have viewed the Bible through the lens of what I would call a prescription. I, I've, I've seen the Bible, I've read the Bible, I've studied the Bible, and seen it as a prescription. That, that God says, do this, don't do that, this is how life works, et cetera, And cetera. And, and I want to affirm that very, very sincerely. There is, in fact, a prescription perspective to Scripture. There, there are do's and don'ts in the Bible, and they matter and they're real. I'm not minimizing that in any way. But in the last, I don't know, eight or nine months, I've, I've, maybe it's because I'm in my 50s now, I've, I've developed what, I, what I'm calling spiritual bifocals, <laughs> where, where spiritual bifocals give us the ability to, to see far away and up close. There is still that prescription perspective, but I've also started to see the Bible as a description as a description of who God is a description of how he's created this world a description of who we are as his crowning achievement in creation a description of how life works best and as i have opened up the bible and begun to read it through the lens of description as well as prescription i there's been something that god has been just stirring in me this There is this love, this affection for the Bible. Just in my life, personally, and I'm starting to open it up, and I'm going, what an amazing gift this is. If you only see the Bible as a prescription, then you you only look at it as as medicine. You know, just just medicine. You, you, You need that. But if you start to see it as prescription and description, you see it as medicine, and you see it as nutrition. You see it as, as sustenance for your soul. You, you start to see it. Yes, there are, there are laws and there is love. You see that there are, in fact, statutes, but there are also statements of God's affection of his favor for you. And, and you, you open up the Bible and it begins to read differently to you. It's the same Bible, but you begin to read it differently and you develop this affection and this love. For the word of God. And you see it happen over and over again. And you see that scripture, the truth of scripture, gives us the freedom, number one, to root our lives in reality. Root your life in reality. You just kind of, everybody just stomp your feet. That's, that's That's just a good sound, isn't it? It's like, okay, that's like solid ground. That's solid ground. It's it's not shifting sand. It's not quicksand. I remember when I was a kid, I used to, how many of y'all used to watch the old Tarzan movies? You remember Tarzan movies? I'm talking about black and white, Johnny Weissmuller. You know what I'm talking? Some of you don't want to admit you're that old, but I know. I don't know what it was, but something, in every single Tarzan movie, there was quicksand. Every single movie. There was quicksand. At some point, you're just like, hey, stay in the tree. (laughs) But but when you plant your feet in the truth of Scripture, what happens is we root our lives in reality. When you see the Bible as a description of the world and reality as it actually exists, then you're, you're dealing with reality. And when you're dealing with the reality, you're you're beginning to see the world, you're beginning to see your life, you're beginning to see your relationships, your work, your community, everything through the lens of truth, through the lens of reality. This is is what is real. In Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. As we've already said, he's. Inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, he's writing and he's describing the life of a mature believer. Somebody who is robust in their faith and has their roots sunk deep into the person and personality of Christ. And this is how he describes a mature faith. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14, he says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So a mature believer who is rooted in reality doesn't get blown around by all of the winds and the waves of the scheming, just everything that's out there. Would somebody just help me preach for a second? Is there, have you heard some, some crazy teachings and schemes that are out there in the world right now? Listen, I, don't, don't get mad at people. Don't get mad at the world for being the world. Come back to Scripture. Come back to what God says and hold on to that and root yourself in that reality. Don't get mad. Don't go on Facebook and be ugly about it. Don't go on Instagram. And if you do, don't tell people you go to church here. (laughs) But come back to reality and root yourself in the truth of God's word. Now, here's, here's something that's very important. God has given us scripture as truth because God is the creator. He is the The Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the author of everything. That means he is the arbiter of truth. I'm not. You're not the arbiter of truth. God is. We have the responsibility to handle the word well and wisely, to go to scriptures. That's why, man, if you're not already connected to a class or a Bible study that's kicking off in the next week and a half, This is the time to do it because we're studying reality. We're ingesting scripture. We're metabolizing spiritually the word of God. There's so many ways to do that. So many people that can help us grow spiritually who have been down the road farther than you have. It's so important, so important that we root our lives in this reality and we're not blown by the waves back and forth here and there. But speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So when we're rooted in reality, and we're rooted in reality, that then sets us up for the next step. We now have the ability in truth and freedom to develop discernment. When when you have a solid base in reality, then you can develop the spiritual skill The muscle memory of discernment, of being able to, to, discernment is just the, the skill. It is a spiritual skill to separate fact from fiction, truth from fantasy. That's what discernment is. And so as we root our lives in reality, then the spiritual discernment comes in and we're able to separate and go, I'm not being judgmental, we're still speaking the truth in love, but we are being discerning, we are discerning. Rachel Dolezal was the president of the Spokane, Washington chapter of the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. And in addition to that, she was a teacher at Eastern Washington University. Some of the classes that she taught included the Black Woman's Struggle, African history, and African American culture. Rachel Dolezal, president of the Spokane chapter of the NAACP, there was one little tiny problem with Ms. Dolezal's resume. She wasn't black. Now, I know, you gotta, you gotta take this in context, and every, right now, just everybody laugh for a second, okay? Just kinda, <laughs> it's okay. She said, I'm black. Her parents are as white as me. You're looking at a white boy. I, so just bear with me for a second. I'm black. She listed on her Facebook page a black man as her father. The media began to investigate and said, what was it like raising Rachel Dolezal? He goes, Who? They said, wait, your daughter, Rachel. He goes, that's not my daughter. I don't know who that is. So they began digging, and they found out that her parents were, in fact, white. If your parents are white, you're white. You might want to write that down. That's really profound. But when she was confronted with these stubborn facts, Rachel Dolezal said, well, I identify as black, Okay, but you're not. We're talking about discerning reality. This is where we are in our world right now. Discerning reality means dealing with reality. If your parents are white, you're not black. I can't believe you have to say this. But that's where we are. So discernment helps us to go. Mm, no, again, and, and by the way, this—it's not kind to affirm Rachel Dolezal's delusion. It's not kind or sweet to go. You know what? <laughs> you, you just go be black. She's white. It's not a kindness to affirm brokenness. It's not a kindness to affirm those things that are not real and not true. God did not make a mistake when he made her a white woman. He made her that way on purpose. It wasn't a mistake. It was the will of God. So let's affirm the truth and deal with any surrounding issues that may be around that reality. Discernment allows us to do that. And even in discernment, we have to continue to be kind. C.S. Lewis put a really fine point on this for believers. He said that for Christians to be ignorant and simple now is and to not be able to meet the enemies on their own ground. He's talking about people who disagree with us. He's not saying enemies like wartime, but just people who disagree or think or believe differently. To not be able to meet them on their own ground would be to throw down our weapons Good philosophy must exist if for no other reason because bad philosophy needs to be answered. He goes on to say that the world who doesn't believe in Christ, the world needs us who do to contend for and defend the faith, to contend and defend truth. He says if we don't do this, this is a betrayal of our friends who are not yet believers. They need us to stand up and say, this is true, this is right, this is what is real. But in order to do that, we've got to be discerning. We've got to be able to discern and develop that skill of discernment. Number three, truth gives us the freedom to grow through perseverance. Truth gives us the freedom to grow through perseverance. How do you, get stronger, you persevere. You keep going. You don't quit. And truth is what we come back to to hang on to when when times get tough. We persevere. I think about Kerm. I, I think about Kerm and Nancy Larson, these incredible people who are part of the Lake Hills Church family, this past summer they celebrated 60 years of marriage. 60 years. They're some of my favorite people on the planet. We as a church are better because of them. And I'll never forget one time I was I was sitting next to Kerm when someone asked him, "How did y'all stay married so long?" Kind of like dumbfounded. Kerm never even skipped a beat. He said, we're devoted to each other. We're devoted to each other. I made a note. In my mind, I went, that's the right answer. That, that We're devoted to each other. That's, that's the kind of faith I want to have. It says I'm devoted. That's the kind of marriage I want to have. I want... I want Julie and me, to, to double the 30 and get to 60. I, because we're devoted. And truth is one of the primary ways that you develop perseverance, that you grow, that you get stronger spiritually, you get stronger emotionally, you get stronger mentally, physically. You persevere. You keep going and when you're rooted in truth, you're discerning the truth, then you persevere and you keep going in the truth. Number four, truth gives us the freedom to love Christ in obedience. To love Christ in obedience. I've already kind of talked about this when we talk about reality and we can reject it, we can walk away from it. That's, that's sin, that's brokenness. But to love Christ in obedience That's that's the greatest love language in the world. To say, "I'm I'm going to obey you because I love you, because I trust you more than I trust myself. And even though my desire, my want, my need may feel different than what I see scripturally, I'm gonna obey what you say in the Bible because I trust you more than I trust myself. As a statement of faith, as a statement of love. And then number five, Truth gives us the freedom to experience peace. Peace, instead of fear, instead of anxiety, it's truth that allows us to experience peace. A few years ago, I had a really good friend of mine ask me a question. He said, Mac, do you ever struggle with stress? I said, I have never in my life dealt with that, but I'll pray for you. I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. Matter of fact, I I was very honest, and it's the number one spiritual challenge in my life. He goes, well, what do you do? I said, well, I just come back to what I know to be true. I, I come back to the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place for me by name, like he did you, and he rose from the dead, so that tells me that there's probably nothing's going to happen in my life that he can't handle. That's 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 the truth. Then I'm going to I'm going to also come back to the truth that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what swirls around me, he remains the same. He remains period, hard stop. And I'm going to hang on to that. And because he remains when he says I will never leave you nor forsake you. That means that the stuff that I'm stressed out about, he's got in the palm of his hand. That that he didn't bring me all the way this far just to leave me hanging. And when I remember that he's with me, and that's the truth, that's the fact, Jack, then It may not change the circumstances. The things that are stressing me are still usually there when I've gone through this exercise, but I've changed. My my heart is calmer. I'm, my my heart rate is down a little bit. I'm, I'm breathing a little easier. And then I can think a little clearer about how to work in Christ through that which is stressing me or causing me anxiety or creating fear. if you abide in the word of God, and man, if, if, if somehow you cultivate a love for the word of God, an affection for scripture, then you'll know the truth. And then the truth will in fact set you free. I love that the Bible includes the response of Jesus' audience. Not only did it tell us what Jesus said, they also answered him. John chapter eight, verse 33 and following. They answered him, well, we are offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. Time out. How quickly they forget. If you might remember, the Jews had been enslaved to a lot of people. Egypt, almost 500 years. The Assyrians, the Babylonians. There was a lot of slavery in their background. But that's beside the point. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. But the slave doesn't remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. Jesus is saying, the servants of the household, they, they live there, they eat the food. And, but when push comes to shove, it's the father's children who remain. And if the son of the father sets you free, then you're free indeed. You are in fact free because of this relationship. I wanna ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment, but as you bow your heads, I want you to, to really truly lean in mentally and spiritually. If you're here today and you have never stepped into that relationship with God, I wanna remind you that the scripture, the scripture is just a sign. It points us toward a relationship with God. But the answer is in the Son of God. The answer is Jesus Christ, a relationship with him. If you've never begun that relationship, then as a church, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. We want to kind of hand you the invitation that he's giving you and just invite you to respond. Just pray silently right where you are in your own words, something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin to you. I confess my sin in order to accept your forgiveness, your grace, and your truth. Jesus, I will trust you more than I trust myself, and I will follow you from this moment forward. I pray this prayer in your name. I wanna ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for a moment, because it's a sacred moment. It's a holy moment when God is doing something in someone's life, and if that was your prayer of beginning today, then this is the greatest moment of your life. And as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I just wanna invite you, I wanna ask you, if that was your prayer, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for a moment. Your hand in the air is just a physical statement of the spiritual commitment that you just made. And so as a family with you, as a church family, man, we celebrate that. We honor that with you. And you can go ahead and put your hands down, but we're going to put our hands together to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.